This morning's reading is taken from Ephesians 2, beginning at verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you, who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple to the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Thanks be to God. What's the difference between saying me and you and us and them? It's not just the difference between singular and plural. If I talk about me and you, there's a sense in which we belong together. If I talk about us and them, there's a definite sense of not belonging together, maybe even of not wanting to be associated with each other. Talk of us and them means that we define ourselves apart from them, maybe even over against them. They are different. They do not belong with us. And perhaps we want as little as possible to do with them. It's a grammatical difference between the two phrases. If I talk about me and you, it's first and second person. We are communicating with each other. If I talk about us and them... It's first and third person. We don't talk to them. We talk about them. There's no communication between us. There's a barrier that hinders communication. In the ancient world, one of the big social differences between us and them was Jews and Gentiles, insiders and outsiders. We belong to God. They don't. We are righteous. They're sinful. We've got it right, they've got it wrong. We are holy, they are unclean. It's a very partisan view of reality. 
But it's one of the weaknesses of human nature that that's almost instinctively how we tend to operate. Put three people in close proximity to each other and it's very easy for one to feel left out by the other two. And the more insecure the members of the group feel, the more likely that is to happen. These days, at least in our part of the world, the distinction between Jew and Gentile is not so high profile, but we still find other ways of fostering distinctions. Discrimination, if you like, male and female, black and white, haves and have-nots. And even with church, such things creep in as like, are you a Brighton Roader? Which side of town do you live on? When it comes to worship, are you organ or keyboard? Where there's a difference of opinion, which side do you come down on? Are there people within the church from whom you keep yourself at a distance? If those kind of distinctions creep in, they shouldn't be there. Because Paul talks about Christ breaking down the dividing walls of hostility that separate us and keep us apart. And reconciling us together in one body to God. And with the walls of hostility, he also dismantles the walls of resentment, of misunderstanding, of irreconcilable differences, of betrayal, of ancient grudges. Such things are out of place in church because Christ comes and preaches peace to all of us. He preaches peace to me and you. He preaches peace to us both. He also preaches the same message of peace to them over there. And that means he preaches peace to us all. Whereas we, in our anger and hurt, instinctively build walls to protect us and keep the people who threaten, intimidate, hurt or upset us at bay, the spirit of peace is constantly at work to pull those walls down, to join together what we want to put asunder to make sure that there are no longer two separate groups of people, us in them, but instead to incorporate all of us together alongside each other and to reconcile us together to one God in one body, the body of Christ. So it's like Christ smashes the dividing wall of hostility and out of the bits of rubble that remain, he builds us together to become a temple, a dwelling place for the living God. We are like a pile of misshapen stones of all sizes that God wants to fit together into his holy temple. Picture it being built. The biggest stones are huge. They can only be carried by two people and it takes a huge amount of effort to heave one of those boulders into place and sometimes it doesn't quite fit. It takes a lot of exertion to move it this way and that to try and get it into place and sometimes it still won't go because it isn't the right stone for this part of the wall. So, as the walls go up of the temple, there's also a pile of stones that are set to one side, stones that haven't found their place yet, but are ready to be used in another part of the wall in the temple when the time and the space are right. And when it comes to the little stones, the masons spend time fitting them in carefully in the gaps between one big stone and another, because every stone has its place in the temple. 
Even the misshapen ones you wouldn't have thought would have been any use at all. In the right place, those jagged edges could almost have been purpose-made to grip onto the stones either side. The little ones jammed in between the others to make sure none of the stones can move or fall. And as the temple goes up, the pile of unused stone goes down. Because every stone has its use. Every stone has its place. And as the building comes to completion, the last part of the pointing is done and cement is squeezed into all the cracks and spaces. All the big stones and the little stones are bound together into a temple. And what was just a pile of rubbish, a pile of rubble, has become a temple for the living God. God is constantly engaged in building his church to be his temple. And he will never give up working to find the right place for you to fit in. Because in God's church, there shouldn't be any outsiders. Because the cement that binds us together is the unconditional love of God, which welcomes us and accepts us all and includes us by grace in his family as much as we are prepared to allow God to do that, as much as we are prepared to allow God to pick us up and fit us in, in the place where we belong. So what do you need to belong? What do you need to fit in? It's not a matter of having the right qualifications, of being gifted enough or clever enough or good-looking enough, successful enough, good enough, young enough, wealthy enough. Because if you haven't got enough to make the grade, God says, well, come in anyway. I know just the place for you. And whereas in and of ourselves we might be woefully inadequate, when we find our place in God's family, we find that we are accepted. It doesn't matter what we can or can't do, or what we have or have not done. God's grace in Jesus simply invites you to belong. And faith on our part is accepting that that invitation to be part of God's family, that holds good for me. And we can find ourselves at home with a group of people who, like you, have been redeemed by Jesus. Redeemed from all sorts of things. Redeemed from yourself. Because sometimes we can be our own worst enemy. Redeemed from the sense of being useless or worthless or inadequate. Redeemed from failure. Redeemed from futility. Redeemed from family breakdown. Redeemed from sin and death and all the powers of darkness. Redeemed to belong to God and to his people forever. That's grace. That's grace made possible through the death of Jesus who died for us all, to redeem us all. And faith is believing, wow, that grace is for me. Despite what I've done, despite how I feel about myself, despite the way in which other people have put me down, that grace is for me. That grace lifts me up and finds me a place within God's family. Finds my place within the temple of God. We get it wrong, of course. None of us in church is perfect. 
We all sin against each other through ignorance or weakness or sometimes by our own deliberate fault. We hurt each other. That's why forgiveness has to be a hallmark of the church. Because when someone hurts or upsets us, the instinct is to resurrect the wall that keeps us safe. But God gently points us in a different direction, offering us his healing for our pain. His forgiveness for our sin or the sin that's been committed against us. His peace for our anger. His love for our antagonism. And that's not easy for God to do. It was our enmity against each other that put Christ on the cross. It was by his death that he's put our enmity to death. And it was on the cross that Christ took our sin, our anger, our hatred, our pain, our isolation. And it's by his spirit that he softens our hearts changes our minds, gives us the grace to forgive and be forgiven, to search for truth, understanding, reconciliation. And where that's not possible yet because the hurt which has been inflicted or received is still too raw and painful, then the Spirit of Christ still seeks to turn us away from bitterness and blame towards forgiveness and peace. The church is always a work in progress. And God never gives up, working to bring that about in us. Listen to Andrew Lincoln's vision of how church should be, and by the grace of God how church can be, as he reflects on this passage. The church is a new creation, which replaces the older order with its divided humanity. It forms instead the new person, a new humanity included in Christ as the representative human being, thereby constituting his body. And this new community is characterised above all by its unity. It is the sphere in which hostility has been overcome. Reconciliation has been achieved and peace bears its fruits. And as such, it forms a visible sign of unity for the world. The church is not only the place of reconciliation between Jews and Gentiles, it's also the place where reconciliation between humanity and God is experienced. Where harmony between heaven and earth has been restored. Where access to the Father is enjoyed. The high God of heaven has chosen to make it his dwelling place on earth. And the Christ who's been exalted to heaven forms the crowning stone in its structure. The church is where men and women experience a sense of being at home, of belonging, not only to one another in a unified humanity as fellow citizens, but also to God himself as part of his household or family. And this new society is also a building, a temple, where humans are the building material which God the Builder has already made into his dwelling place. The church is already the temple in which God dwells. Yet it is at the same time a building under construction, where through their relationship to Christ and to one another, believers are still 
being shaped into a fit sanctuary for God. It's to be characterized by growth and holiness as it becomes what it already is. We are to see ourselves as the building material God has chosen to utilize for his temple of the end time, pervaded by the Spirit, and thereby to gain a greater sense of our identity as those with a privileged role to play in the working out of God's purposes in the world. That's church. That's why church matters so much to God, because that's how he sees us. That is his vision of who we are. That's why church is indispensable in the purposes of Christ. And that's why when you look at that vision of church and you look at what we are, you think we are definitely a work in progress. But God never stops working to bring that vision into reality. And we all play our part in that. And our relationships with each other is a crucial part of what church is all about. <clears throat> As we reflected on this passage in our worship group meeting on Thursday, David pointed us to a passage from Wick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life, where he talks about how important our relationships with each other are in the Bible. And I kind of went through all the references in Paul's letters where he talks about the way in which we engage with each other. We're called to care for each other, to forgive each other, to agree with each other and to bear with each other when we don't agree. We're called to love each other, to encourage each other, to build each other up, to live in peace with each other, be kind to each other. All of these each others come from Paul's letters. And it's as we treat each other like that that we start to live out the truth of what it means to be church. And we start to discover our real identity in Christ. Never us and them, but always you and me together in Christ. So let me close by reading verses 16 to 22 of our passage again from the Message Translation. Christ brought us together through his death on the cross. The cross got us to embrace. And that was the end of the hostility. Christ came and preached peace to you outsiders and peace to us insiders. He treated us as equals and so made us equals. Through him we both share the same spirit and have equal access to the Father. That's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here, in what he's building he used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. And we see it taking shape, day after day. A holy temple built by God. All of us built into it. A temple in which God is quite 
at home. Let's pray. Lord, you know the things in our lives that isolate us. Would you heal us from the fear, from the pain of the anger and the guilt? And give us your love, your healing, and your peace. Where we have done wrong, grant us your forgiveness through Jesus Christ our Lord. And where others have wronged us, Take away from us the anger and the resentment and bitterness that so easily finds a lodging place in our hearts. Grant us your grace to forgive as we have been forgiven. And pull down those walls of misunderstanding, of pride and hostility. And give us compassion, humility, and grace to seek reconciliation. Lord, pick up our misshapen, broken lives and fit us together to build your holy temple. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.